Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. More V-Show with Bob Valvano is now, right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Not quite Bob Valvano, but it's Zach E.C. in on the V-Show, ESPN 680, 105.7, getting you home here on a Monday. We are your flagship station for the cards, and tonight you can hear the Kenny Payne Show over on 93.9 The Ville, just across the hall here. That'll be at 7 o'clock tonight. Right after the Cardinal Insider, we also have the Jeff Walls show for you, and that's coming up tomorrow night at seven o'clock over on ninety-three-nine The Ville. So we got a couple coaches shows for you over the next couple of days or so. It's a private event tonight for the Kenny Payne show. Tomorrow night for the Jeff Walls show, it'll be at Parlor up in J Town. So you can go out there and check the Jeff Walls show out. Uh, we got Tim Sullivan joining us, contributing uh, to the Leo Weekly, and he joins us as he does every week here on the V Show. Tim, how's it going today? Uh, very well. How are you? I can't complain, man. Cannot complain. Um, so let, let's just go ahead and dive right in. I, I, the way that I talked about last week, the Notre Dame game, it was kind of as a unifier. You know, it was kind of the the last straw for any KP defender because that was a 22 point blowout loss against Notre Dame and a Notre Dame team that is coached by a first year guy and Micah Shrewsbury, and they just came in and dominated that game. Uh, did you view that game as kind of? I don't know if last straw is the right word, but how did you view that as far as is that was that basically the thing that if there were any people left that still thought that Kenny Payne deserved a year three that that was basically the end of that well yeah i I, I think that that almost uh, capsulizes my sense before the game I was talking to some of the media people who've been around the team more than I and I said you know what chance do you give? Uh, Kenny Payne of a year three, and uh, you know, the, the estimates were pretty low. But you know, after the game, a couple people said that's it, and uh, you know, I was I was inclined to agree with them. I, I think you lose uh, to, uh, to to a Notre Dame team that starts three freshmen and two sophomores. It's kind of hard to complain about the youth of your team, and you lose by twenty two, and you never lead uh against the you know a team I think that's they're ten and sixteen, something like that mm-hmm. at home. Uh you know, it, it's it's not just the record, it's you know, it, it's the fan base and can you win them back with this coach? And I think that that's very unlikely at this point. And you know, I can't completely rule it out because politics plays a part in this, finances play a part, the the buyout plays a part, but uh, if uh, if this program is going to be rebuilt uh, to anything resembling its traditional standard, uh, I think it's going to take a new pace. So you do think it's possible that there is a year three? You're not completely willing to, willing to rule that out? Uh, you know, I, I picked the Titanic against the iceberg. So, you know, <laughs> I, 
my my predictions don't often pan out, but I, you know, I I have to allow for that possibility because you know there are forces in play uh, that uh, that that could tip the balance. I you know I don't know what the new president's disposition is. I don't know how much uh, pressure uh, Junior Bridgman is willing to exert, if any, uh, and I don't know how. Uh, how they're going to try to finance a buyout that would be $8 million if it's before uh, April 1st. So, you know, if you look at it objectively as uh, as someone who doesn't have a stake in it, uh, it, it seems incredible that it's even a topic of discussion at this point. Yeah. And yet, you know, the closer you get, uh, the more wrinkles there may be involved. Yeah, and the aspect that you talked about that I, in your article that I don't think a lot of people have mentioned is just not just the fan apathy, but downtown businesses. There's just no buzz around this program right now. Like I said, I've moved down here last year. I've lived downtown the entire time. There's never been any buzz for a game, and you know that's just got to hurt some uh, a lot of the local businesses down there. And the apathy is. Apathy is the worst thing to have because if people are angry, that means they still care. It just doesn't feel like there's a lot of people that care right now with this program, and that's a, a position that you just can't have them in right now. So, it, how do you think it's going to be if they hire the new coach? How quickly do you think that those fans come back? Do you think they come back right away, or do you think because of what's happened the last two years that it's going to take some time? Well, I think a lot depends on uh, assuming there's a new coach, who the new coach is. I mean, uh, you know, the, uh, the name that I've heard most often and uh, is probably uh, a fantasy to some extent is Scott Drew. If you hire him uh, with his credentials, having won a national championship at Baylor, having rebuilt a program following a, a murder that was covered up by the coaching staff, uh, you know, I, I think uh, people would think uh, this is a uh, – uh, an opportunity for a fairly quick turnaround. You know, but with, between the transfer portal and the NIL, uh, it's possible to uh, put a whole new team on the floor uh, very quickly uh, if you have the financial resources behind you. And I, I don't know that uh, that Louisville is is necessarily competitive nationally uh, on that front. But uh, if you do. Uh, you know, improvement can come very quickly, but you know there's a there's a lot of uh, unknowns. I mean, uh, we've seen what Jeff Brom has been able to do yeah. with the transfer portal. So there's there's clearly the money available behind him, uh, and I would think that basketball, still the signature program at the school, uh, would have similar support. But you know, I, I don't have access to the uh, NIL. Uh, Books and uh, I, I don't know uh, how deep people are willing to to go to, uh, to rebuild this program, but I, I have to think that in a market like this, with the history and the tradition and you know the, the fan support for years and years, decades, uh, that it it would not be a very difficult turnaround. Tim Sullivan joining us on our, his weekly spot here on the V Show, ESPN six eighty one zero five seven. So you mentioned Scott Drew probably as a fantasy for Louisville fans, but you know you know the names that have been thrown out there: Eric Musselman, Nate Oates, Chris Beard. You know that those guys are, are the front runners in most Louisville fans' eyes to get that job. Do you think Louisville is still in a position nationally that they are going to get one of those guys, or do you think they would accept 
a, a mid-major type of coach? You know, when like when UConn hired Dan Hurley from Rhode Island a couple years ago, do you think it's going to end up being a big name, or do you think they might have to lower their, I don't know, lowering their expectations is the right word, but would they accept a mid-major kind of coach? Well, I I think it's it's going to depend on what the market is, and, and uh, you know if you have a uh, power five or power four, I guess now uh, position, at, and you've had success and you're making good money, do you want to come in and, and start all over at, at Louisville? Uh, you know, this is not the job that that Denny Crum took or or Rick Pitino took. It's uh, it's at low ebb. And, you know, you have a tremendous arena. You have great facilities. You have, uh, you know, a history of, of the most profitable program in, uh, in men's basketball. Uh, so, you know, you know you can tap into all those things, and they, they all bring uh, advantages. You're, you're playing in the ACC, which, you know, historically has been, uh, if not the best, one of the best conferences in America, and uh, you know, if your goal is to get to the national championship, uh, the route I think is is easier here than it is a lot of places. So even you know, even at, under current circumstances, so I, I think that there are probably elite coaches who could be tempted if there's enough money involved and they feel like they they have enough backing. Um, but you know, I certainly don't rule out a young up-and-coming coach who's had success and you know we've seen before how a guy makes a tournament run and all of a sudden he is the uh, the flavor of the month so uh a lot of this is going to depend on timing if you know if the uh, the move is made immediately after the acc tournament uh then you have an opportunity to uh, to look at uh, candidates who are in the NCAA tournament, and and you may have to wait uh, for them. So that could affect the timing of uh, when a move is made. I mean, it, it, there's a two million dollar difference if they wait till April first, and if you know if the coach you want is still in the tournament as of April first, then it it might be uh, might behoove you to to wait. So let's talk about the uh, the team up the road, and that is Kentucky. They dominated Alabama one seventeen to ninety five on Saturday, and we've talked about this Kentucky team all year. As far as the ceiling, obviously, is as high as any team in the country. You could also see them losing in the first round of the NCAA tournament. What's your read on this team from that perspective? Well, I was kind of watching that game uh, out of the corner of my eye the other day, and it was just startled by the the number of points that uh, that UK put up. Uh, I saw a tweet from Dick Vitale, who's uh, uh, on the UK bandwagon at this point. But, you know, I'd, I'd like to see them put a little streak together and, and uh, you know, have more consistency than, than they've shown before I'm, I'm going to anoint them as a uh, Final Four contender. But uh, you know, certainly the talent is there. And at, you know, playing... Uh, at their at their peak, they're they're as uh, impressive as uh, as pretty much anybody. But you know, can they maintain that peak uh, for uh, multiple games? You know, you have to win six to to win the NCAA tournament. And I don't know that this team is capable of playing six good games in a row. 
they haven't won back-to-back games since early January, or won more than two straight games since early January. So to your point, they would obviously have to win four in a row to get to the Final Four. That has not happened for this team in quite some time. It, it seems to me apparent that their best team is with those three guards, with Shepard, Reeves, and uh, Dillingham all on the floor at the same time. Uh, DJ Wagner, it's been, you know, we've talked about how valuable is he? They haven't won a game without him, but maybe hasn't been lived up to the expectations that we had for him at the start of the season. Uh, when you look at a guy like Antonio Reeves, does that is that a credit to John Calipari's coaching, the way that he's developed because he's kind of the anti-Calipari guy as far as, you know, obviously it's a bunch of young guys, so he gets credit there. But I, I guess the bigger question I have is if Calipari doesn't win with this team, which probably would be close to a perfectly constructed Calipari team as he could possibly ask for, is this... I don't know if his last best chance, but if he doesn't get it done with this team, is it possible that we can question will he ever get it done again while he's at Kentucky? Well, ever is a long time. And, uh, you know, what we've seen from John Calipari over the years is the ability to attract elite talent year after year after year. I mean, the uh, NBA All-Star game was a testament to, to, uh, to what he's done. Whether that formula works, whether the one and done uh, principle uh, can uh, can dominate uh, in uh, this era is you know, is an open question. And you know, I, I've always felt like you know, the team you see in December is not the team you're going to see in March because he has to compress a lot of teaching into a, a pretty short window with uh, freshman dominated teams. That said, you know. Uh, I, I certainly wouldn't want to play Kentucky if I were uh, uh, a team of uh, veteran players with uh, a lower talent level, uh, and that would conclude uh, almost everyone. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, I, on an off night, uh, it uh, it could end very quickly. I don't see them losing the first round. I think there's just you know too much talent to uh, to lose to a. A fairly low seed, and, and uh, you know, at this point, you know, Kentucky might be a four. Um, you know, and by season's end, maybe they can be uh, a three. But uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't see them losing to a, a thirteen or a fourteen. Couple more for you, Tim. Tim Sullivan joining us as he does every week here on the V Show, ESPN six eighty one oh five seven. Uh Tim, who do you consider to be the best team right now in college basketball? The poll just came out. Houston is number one, Purdue's number two, UConn's number three. It's been mostly UConn that people have talked about as being the best team in college basketball this year. Do you get that sense that maybe Purdue, Houston, UConn have kind of separated themselves, or do you think this is as wide open of a year as last year was when of course it was two five seeds, a nine seed, and I believe a four seed that ended up in the final four? Well, I, I appreciate the question, but I'm not sure I've seen enough of those teams to, to really have a, an educated opinion. You, you, uh, you know, I know you've uh, had uh, had some fun at Rick Bozich's expense today, but uh, <laughs> he's he's far more expert on the national scene, and he votes in the AP poll. So uh, you might want to ask him. But uh, um, I, I'm going to I'm going to take a pass on that one. Just. Uh, uh, because uh, my ignorance is, is no excuse, but it is my uh, default position. 
Yeah, how about South Florida ranked in the top 25? First time ever. Never thought I would see the day that South Florida is ranked, but uh, kind of crazy year. Uh, we'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, it's been the talk of college basketball the last couple of days. It's a crazy subject as far as I'm concerned, but the whole court storming thing ever since the Duke-Wake Forest game. Uh, what have been your thoughts on court storming? Should they do away with it? Do you think it's fine? Could they make improvements on it? What's your overall perception of court storming? Well, there, there's obviously a danger in it. it it's uh, and, and when you have thousands or at least hundreds of students storming the court at once, your security is going to be overwhelmed. So, you know, I I hate to advocate draconian measures, but, uh, you know, I, I think that there has to be some kind of penalty that resonates with, with the student body. And, it, um, you know, it's uh, if, uh, if there's another incident such as this, then your team is going to forfeit uh, its, its right to, uh, play in a tournament, um, you know, something on that scale, because people are getting hurt, and and it's ridiculous. And it's, uh, you know, I was a college student once and uh, did some uh, dumb things, but I don't don't remember ever having the opportunity to storm the court because we didn't win enough. But uh, um, you know, it, it has to end, and you know, if that means putting up barriers around the court and making it uh, feel like a uh, stop American soccer match. Um, you know, you, you have to do something because the, this can't continue. Tim Sullivan uh, joining us as he does every week here on a Monday contributes to the uh, Leo Weekly. Check out his stuff; does great work. Tim, thanks for joining us. As always, we'll talk to you again next week. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you, Tim Sullivan, for uh, taking the time out of his day to talk to us here on the V Show, ESPN six eighty one zero five seven. Let's just go ahead and get into the court storming thing and look. It's the silliest topic that we're talking about right now. And I think there is a constructive conversation to be had about should we do away with court storming because there's people that say that the fans haven't earned the right to be on the floor. That's the players and coaches area. And if you want to have that conversation, I I think it's one that can be had. And I think it can be a constructive conversation. I just... When you start talking about things like Jay Billis going on air saying, let's arrest these guys, detaining guys. Come on. Like, how out of touch are you when you're talking about detaining college students for running on the court and having fun? This is part of the dichotomy of college basketball and why it's so much fun to have these regular season upsets is because the student body comes together with their, their teammates, with their, their fellow students, because they are all, they are all students there. And they're celebrating a big win. They're celebrating a big win. They're doing nothing other than that. And I think you can have, again, you can have a conversation about should they do more from a security standpoint? Yeah, probably they should have uh, better security. Sure, they should. Maybe you give the road team a minute or two to get off the floor. Maybe you do that. But... To say that they should arrest the students, to say that the media is culpable because we show it, like basically comparing the situation to streakers. There's a reason that streakers don't get shown on television because they don't want to glorify it. Fine. Are we really going there with court storming? Are we saying that we're glorifying it because ESPN likes to show the fans rushing the floor after a big win? These are memories that these guys are going to have for years and years. Remember when we beat Duke? 
when these Wake Forest guys come together in 10, 15 years to have a reunion or whatnot, this is going to be one of the first things they talk about. Remember when we beat Duke at home and everybody rushed the floor? Those are those are memories that last a lifetime. And we're trying to just take that away from them because there's a couple of injuries, a couple of things that happened. Look, Caitlin Clark flopped at Ohio State. That was obvious. You know, that was the first sign that people were talking about, oh, should we ban court storming? Caitlin Clark flopped. And then we saw Kyle Filipowski the other day, kind of did a little forearm shiver into a Wake Forest guy. Now he ended up getting hurt. A trip and yeah. a shove, too. Yeah. It's fitting, though, that Jay Billis wants to defend the Duke teams. <laughs> Shocker there. Wow. Uh, Texter, if Duke was really concerned about on-court safety, they would have stopped Grayson Allen. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you have much room to talk. Boom. Ex- Thank you, there Texter. There it is. For your court storming, while I agree that it needs to stop, I find it very ironic that Duke is whining about it. That's exactly right. If- well, I saw, I think it was Barstool Wake Forest, or just any Wake Forest like fan account, really quick to the point to post the video of Duke when they beat Clemson week one in football, they stormed the field. Of course they did. I, and I don't like Sweeney one bit. I didn't hear him complain a tad. Dabo didn't say a word about it. No, because that's when you are... That's college at, sports. When you are at the level that Clemson football is or that Duke basketball is, when you lose on the road, people are going to rush the court or rush the field. That's the highest compliment you have as a program. When's the last time that Alabama football lost a road game and the team didn't rush the field after beating them. I don't remember it because it's been that long because Alabama's been the gold standard of college football for almost 20 years. They're not anymore. It's probably Georgia, but that, that that's going to happen to them now. Every time Georgia lo- loses a road game, maybe with the exception at, of at Alabama this year, people are going to rush the field. That's just reality. And if you're Duke and you don't like it, win the game. Don't complain about the other team rushing the court because you lost. You had every opportunity to prevent it. Win the game. Win the game. And then we're not talking about it. And if you want to give them a minute, if I don't know how if it would work, that you would be able to tell these college students that have been waiting to rush the court or rush the field, if you tell them you can do it in a minute or two, would they wait that long? I would like to think they would, but maybe they wouldn't. But... If you want to help security for road fans and road teams, fine. I think what you do is maybe do you end the game early? Like if you're up by more than three points with five se- with four or five seconds left and it's obvious that you're going to lose, like is there a way to just, I don't know if end the game's the right way to do it. I don't know how they would do it, but is there a way to get them off the court as soon as you can? Maybe we do that. Texter, text guy who loves storming places, defending court storming. Not shocked. Where were you on January 6th? Yeah. We had a couple of those on the Rebellion Co. today. There we go. The, the January 6th jokes, man. Uh, a couple years ago, Tennessee beat Alabama at home and they stormed the field. Yeah, of course they did because they beat Alabama. They all rushed the field after they beat Alabama. They all rushed the court after they beat Duke or they beat North Carolina. I'm all for rushing the court. I'm all for positive fan memories. I don't think you should do it every game, obviously. I don't think every program should do it. Like, I don't, If you're Kentucky, you don't need to rush the court because you're supposed to win. You're, you, your expectation is, we're Kentucky. We're better than everybody. Kansas. We're the win, one of the winningest programs of all time. We've won four national titles. We don't need to rush the court. There's some programs that have that standard. But 
if they win a conference championship at home, for instance, and Louis brought this up, if you win a conference championship at home and you want to celebrate on the court after the game, fine. I think that's a great thing. Bellerman did that two years ago. I absolutely. Think. Yeah. I was at that game. What am I saying? I think. No, they, they did absolutely do it. Did. They did do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let all the players and coaches get off the floor first. That's that. It's a simple change. It's a simple thing that we make sure happens. And then you rush the court. But the discourse around this is just insane to me. To have people talking about court storming as though these guys are trespassing or that it, it deserves to be arrested over it or forfeiting games. Why? Why are we talking about forfeiting games? Why are we talking about arresting people for having fun? They're not. If you just get the players and coaches off the court, they're not hurting anybody. That's all you have to do. And we just. We're running out of room to have productive conversations because everybody has to give their takes. And it's crazy. Going on Sports Center, going on First Take. They, they spent half a first take talking about court storming, which is the ultimate sign that we need football season back. Hey, so they can just talk the about the Cowboys. Yeah, <laughs> We don't ever want them to talk about the Cowboys. Today I want them to talk about the Cowboys. But why, why, why are we trying to... Why are we being the fun police? Why are we being the fun police? Why does the media have to find something that's fun and just act like it shouldn't be a part of the game? It's one of, like, when you see an upset win in football, basketball, isn't one of the most memorable sights of all of those? Everybody on the field, everybody on the court celebrating what a monumental accomplishment it is. It's still a big accomplishment if they don't rush the field or rush the court, but it takes something away from it. Texter, 30-second shot clock for court storming. That, that's actually a good idea. That's a good text. 30-second shot clock for court storming. I would be all for that because you could get the players and coaches off the court in 30 seconds easily. Better security, 30-second shot clock. Once the shot clock runs out, go. That's all we have to do. Because I know people, I know every conference has rules as far as, I think the SEC in particular is really harsh fines for people rushing the field or rushing the court. That's not going to stop them. The, the presidents of the university are perfectly fine writing that check because they storm the field. They storm the court. They understand what this is all about. This is college athletics. This is supposed to be fun. Texter, rushing the court is totally silly and unnecessary. Buying a ticket doesn't give you a right to be on the court. It's done way too much for beating teams with any kind of name. Injuries are not fun. Your team winning the game is memorable enough. I mean... Injuries aren't fun, but how many times do we actually see injuries in a court storming incident? It's only happened. You only we only bring up Caitlin Clark, not an injury. Kyle Filipowski. How many other times has it ever happened? And we're only bringing it up because it's a rarity. Most of the time, these court stormings go off without a hitch, and we don't talk about it. We talk about how much fun it is to be out there on the floor. What's the, from the official, field. official report on Philip or Filipowski? Uh, it that it's a knee injury. They haven't said anything more. Winning the game's memorable, sure. Uh, Texts or schools that have won titles should definitely should never rush the court. I wouldn't say, if you've won a championship and it was 30 years ago, I think you can rush the court. I think if, if you're a major program, like I mentioned, if you're Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, no, you shouldn't be rushing the court. But if you want to 
win a championship, if you win a conference championship at home and you want to congregate on the court afterwards, not, not storm the court, but everybody gets to go down there and celebrate, that's fine. But when you're Kentucky and you beat Tennessee at home or you beat whoever at home, no storm the court. You're Kentucky. Well, Filipowski said after the game, I absolutely feel it was personal and intentional for sure. Is he talking about his actions? Yeah, he should be talking about his actions. Sticks out a leg and kind of like throws a jab. Yeah. Of, you know, to that fan. Yeah, he's not exactly completely innocent. Dexter, Caitlin Clark had a soccer style flop. Yes, she did. Yeah, when she stormed the court at Ohio State after they beat Iowa earlier in the season, stormed the court. Yeah, she flopped big time. Like she talked about it earlier in the season about how you know oh it was i got hurt and all that kind of stuff and then ohio state said oh really you because ohio state apologized to her afterwards and said we could have had better security measures and all that kind of stuff and then she came out and said that ohio state said really that is that what you that that's your version of the story here's what actually happened and they released the second video text her court storming is ignorant come on but no one should be arrested unless they assault exactly like you can disagree with court storming but when you when you want to have an argument or a discussion about something, you can be right, but if your version of trying to change it or your version of trying to make this not happen again, if it's so out of left field, like Jay Bill is saying, arrest players, you may maybe you're right. But when you go that deep with your arrest punishment fans. you said arrest players arrest, arrest fans, fans yeah. excuse me but when you say things like that that cheapens your entire argument because nobody cares about your content anymore they just care about the dumb thing you said and admittedly this was dumb i think we can all agree on that uh text or schools in the NCAA have had decades to design a safe standard for storming now virtue signaling talking heads are basically blaming the fans absolutely they absolutely are blaming the fans they're just they're having a take for take's sake, and they don't need to. Text or at least have a speed limit when court storming, they must walk. <laughs> that's not storming the court, then that's just you know, a gathering. You just walk on the court. Let's just get a crossing guard out Let's there. just get a crossing guard. <laughs> All right, you go. Stop. All right, you go. All right, you two. Stop. You go. All right, you three. Eh, one of you guys can go. Yeah, All right, then the go. other two go. Yeah, now go. Uh, Texter, I can relate to Kyle. Nothing infuriates me more than the unbridled joy of my opponent's fans celebrating beating my team. Him attacking that fan is living out my dream. Don't Then don't lose the game. Don't lose the game. Then you don't have to worry about it. Go win the game, and nobody talks about it. Texter, since it's happened so many times to Kentucky over the last few years, Cal sends his team to the locker room with time left on the clock. I know that doesn't help the players on the court, but it's a start. Yep, that's a good point. Cal has done that repeatedly. And I and I know there are other teams in the country that send their players to the locker room if the game's decidedly over. I remember the biggest example this year for Kentucky was when they lost at South Carolina. And they, that game was over early in the second half. They lost the game by 17. Cal got him off the floor immediately because he knew South Carolina was going to rush the court. And I think more more coaches should do that. More coaches should send their players to the locker room. And I realize it doesn't help the players on the court, but Put the if, if that's not going to help them out, then put them in the corner. Put them in a position where they can quickly get off the floor. And if you don't want to have the post game handshake, if doing away with the post game handshake is what it takes to ensure player safety and coach safety, fine. How many times have we seen in the last couple of years the handshake line turn into a fight? Juwan Howard, we just saw it a couple of weeks ago in the Southland Conference. There was a big brawl in the handshake line. 
I would do away with the handshake line before I would do away with court storming. Because more things happen in the handshake line than the court storming. If that's the sacrifice that we have to make in order to keep court storming going on, fine. I'm just imagining a team court storm on Michigan and Jawan Howard just throwing haymakers at fans. <laughs> Get he away would. from me. <laughs> Jawan Howard would be the coach. If there was a coach in college basketball that would start punching fans. for Not this year because Michigan's like 8-20. and 20. They're terrible. So everybody's beating them this year. Nobody's rushing the court for beating Michigan this season. But he would be the coach that would... Start a fight. Texter, the Wake Forest, Duke court rushing was ridiculous. Those fans are way out of control. All it takes is one person to throw a punch. There would be a wild, uncomfortable situation. If those Duke coaches not been on the ball like they were and got their players together, they were lucky. Only one player got injured, yet Filipowski was the only one that got hurt. Uh, Texter, when, when's a fan going to get trucked and sue a player for their NIL? <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? For a fan to oh. just run on the court, just have somebody just run over them and... That, then the player gets sued because that could happen. I, if I'm a fan, though, I'm looking up. All right, which players make the most? Texter. Reed Shepard? All right, I'll, <laughs> I'll take an elbow by that guy. There you go. Texter, guys, I think Jeff Hall from the 86 championship team will tell Jay Billis to watch the end of the game getting clotheslined by a Duke player. I know he can't have that guy arrested, but that was crazier than a fan. Yeah. No, there's a clip after, I think it. Milt Wagner hits the free throws, 72-69, game's over. Uh, Duke throws in the inbounds pass, and one of Duke's players just goes to Jeff Hall, who has the ball, and clotheslines him right in the face while they're about ready to celebrate a national championship. So this – look, Jay Billis just – sometimes it's better to not go on television and have people assume that you know what you're talking about than go on the air and remove all doubt as to whether people know what you're talking about. Uh, Texts are public executions for anyone who storms a court. Only way we will fix this. <laughs> uh, wouldn't that that would just be a terrible way to die? Wouldn't it? Just try to explain what was the cause of death. Oh, he rushed the court after his team won a big game, so we had to execute him. I don't. I respect that. Uh, Texter, if they do it, the handshake line. How can coaches tamper with the other team's players? Yeah, that, that's a good point. You don't think they're doing that in the handshake lines right now? You don't think you know, one of these top-level programs is going to the best guy on the mid-major team? Hey, we'll pay you $5 million. We, we come here. You want to come here next year? That's happening. They're definitely tampering. That, that's probably the only reason they still have the handshake line is because they want to continue doing that. So, basically, if you don't like court storming, you hate fun. Have, let's have fun. This is sports. We're not doing. This isn't the South Carolina primary. This is sports. We're supposed to have fun. Uh, coming up tonight, as I mentioned, North Carolina and Miami, six forty-five here on these airwaves, ESPN six eighty one zero five seven. We'll have the Kenny Payne show over on ninety three nine The Ville at seven o'clock, and we are your flagship station for the Cards. They're back in action on Wednesday after a full week off at seven o'clock as they take on Duke. Boy, Duke's going to be mad after that game on Saturday, so maybe not the best spot for Louisville to be uh, playing them. I don't think Duke players. I don't think the Duke fans are going to rush the floor after that game. Do you? It would make me laugh. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I would crack up. Like, wow, maybe we are. Maybe we are a good team. That yeah, teams are doing this. <laughs> that would make me crack up. Oh, that's though. a great picture. I can't say it, but that's a great picture. Great text there. Uh, texter Demarcus Cousins had a fan try to fight him during a court storming. That could be another problem. Yeah, that's well. 
people are going to be dumb. That's another reason you get the players and coaches. Don't don't go up to Boogie Cousins at all, yeah, don't, people. Yeah, that, that's your first mistake. Don't go to Boogie Cousins. Uh, like I mentioned, Louisville's back in action. They take on Duke. Our Alex White Network pregame coverage begins at 530. Uh, after the game, tune into the Coors Light postgame show with Taylor Lynch. Taylor gets winning postgames if they play on Saturday. He never gets them any other day of the week. So unfortunately for him, this game's on a Wednesday, so probably not going to happen. Uh, but... Tune in for all the action. You never know. College basketball is a funny game. Uh, Texts are fine. E- find every student pictured on the court that can be identified. A $250 student fine and hold grades until paid. Okay, now now we're just... So if a guy rushes the court and now we're going to affect their grades. Really? The guy could be getting an A plus and all of his science classes or whatever. He, he could be about to be a doctor and we're going to fine him and we're going to hold his grades because he had the audacity to run on the court to celebrate his team winning a big game. Come on. Uh, Texter, Kentucky's three games ahead of Kansas, an all-time number of wins. Yeah, Kansas closing that gap. They're closing the gap. Uh, Texter, not a big court-storming fan, but whenever Louisville finally beats Kentucky at home after all this nonsense, go for it. Oh, they are definitely rushing the floor. Next time Louisville beats Kentucky at home, that's going to be the biggest court-storming in the history of Louisville basketball. There's no doubt about it. And that's what you want. You want that kind of excitement. You want something to... You want to celebrate the win, but you want to celebrate... I mean, I I just I don't understand the pearl clutching. I don't understand everybody who has such a big problem with this. It's not hurting anybody. Al Filipowski, I hope he's healthy. But again, these are isolated incidents. And are we going to, every time there's an isolated incident, every time something happens unexpected, are we going to change it? No. No, we're not going to change it. Texter, did you hear what uh, Jay Billis, Mike Greenberg, yeah, Bust, Buster Cherry, and yeah, funny, funny. Uh, Steve Hang. Kendrick Perkins had to debate about court storming, and uh, it it was embarrassing. Maybe some good sound to play. Yeah, we, we've been talking about it for a little bit. Just a little bit. Jeez. I, we need football back. Or they need something else to talk about, because they talked way too much about it today. <laughs> way too much about it. And the the overreactions, we can't ever have a nuanced conversation about this stuff. Texture, if the home team is that is winning has at the final seconds, there should be an official timeout and let the team leave. Can't do that with a minute or so left. You mess with the over and under for the new betting around here. That's true. Yeah, anything that messes with the gambler's money, not going to like that very much. I, I think you can have an official timeout if they have the ball at the final seconds of the game and it's obvious that they're just going to run the clock out. Yeah, call have an official timeout. Let the opposing team leave because you're just going to dribble out the clock. That, that's a solution. We're, we're offering solutions here, people. We're offering solutions on a Monday and not just talking about arresting students. Good job, texters. We're offering solutions. Uh, texter, when KP gets fired, I'm all for court storming at the Yum Center while Sandstorm's playing. <laughs> yeah. Louisville fans, can, can we just open the Yum Center for the day KP gets fired? Can we have the fans rush the court? Can they all come back? I'll, I'd be, I would be for I'm that. In. I'm in for it. I would be for that. Uh, text or new job for Cam Newton, the anti-court stormer will launch all the pipsqueaks back into the stands where they belong. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about that a little bit. Cam Newton, did you see this? That was insanity. I don't think he got, like they landed a punch or anything. I just think he held his own. Yeah. Granted. He didn't do anything. He just swat them all like they were bugs. What are they trying to do? He's 6'6", 250 pounds. Why are you trying yeah, to I played play? Against, played behind the Carolina Panthers O-line for a whole career. Come I on. mean, with a little... Yeah his little stint with the new England Patriots, but the guy knows how to get around people. And if you're not Vaughn Miller or yeah. <laughs> a, 
edge rusher like TJ Watt, you're probably not gonna. You're not winning get, that. You're not winning that nope. in one bit. <laughs> That's still a grown man. I don't care if his body's not ready for the NFL. That man's body's ready for a street fight. So, have fun. Let's have fun. Let's stop trying to ruin other people from having fun. And if you're good enough that other teams are rushing the court after beating you, that's an accomplishment. And if you're Duke and you don't like it, either don't be Duke or win the game. And then we don't have these kind of conversations. Uh, we got still got more to get into. V-Show rolling along on a Monday, ESPN 680, 105.7. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash careanywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Be a part of the show. Text Bobby V on the UPS Jobs text line at 437-9680. The show on a Monday, ESPN 680-1057. No, I'm not going to change the name of the show. A couple people have texted in saying, oh, it was Cantrell and Co. last week. Today is it the Z Show. No, I'm not going to do that. We're not going Z Show this week. It's still V Show, ESPN 680-1057. You'll have me today and Wednesday. Nick Curran will be in on Tuesday, I believe. Bob and Nick will be back on Thursday. Uh they're down in Disney at Disney World right now. You know, this is the time of year where everybody gets to take a vacation because we're all th- done with football. And then uh, we got the tournament coming up in a couple weeks, so this is everybody's time to go get away. And I mean, you look at the weather outside; it's actually it actually holds up. You know, a lot of people take vacations this time of year. Right now, it's seventy-one degrees outside. How about that? It's been a, and look at the weather for the next week or so. It's going to be pretty similar. I mean, we're going to have some sixty-five degree days, sixty-seven degree days. Uh, Saturday at the Tailspin Ale Fest, I'll be out there for that. High of 64. Looks pretty good for uh, a Saturday to go out and drink some beer. And then this isn't necessarily the weather that I'd be trying to get away from. This is great. I I had a blast, actually. I went to the baseball game yesterday. You know, a little little scary ending, but the boys came back, got the dub. Uh, I got to say one thing about the Louisville baseball team. Have at it. Kind of like the basketball team. Amazing on offense. Like, can score whenever they want. Yeah. The pitching and the defense, there's a lot of errors. We went to the pen early yesterday, and it kind of caused um, a little disruption on the winning course last night. Uh, or yesterday. Um, yeah, no, they they need to fix up on the defense end and get a, maybe a better bullpen going. But the an awesome game. I know they started out 0-4, I think it was, first time since 06. I think McGavick said, tweeted that out. Um, but, yeah, no. Go out, support the team because they need it. It was a great game. It, they look like they're bouncing back after that slow start. They finished off the weekend with three straight wins. Yet again, looks a little scary last night. But yeah. 
an awesome eighth or bottom of the eighth where they were down by one after blowing it in the top of the eighth with five runs by the Bonnies and they came out and got I think six runs in the last inning to go up on top and it was awesome. I, I'm I'm planning on going to a lot more games this year. So uh yeah, come out, support the boys. I know McConnell needs or McDonald needs it. It's awesome though. Yeah. I mean, they've been entertaining to watch if nothing else this year. Uh just you see T. Higgins got franchised by the Bengals. Not necessarily surprising. And I thought this would be the route the Bengals would go. T. Higgins isn't necessarily a top five receiver, which typically when you tag a guy, now they're getting paid top five what their uh, position salary to what their position is. But T. Higgins is... It keeps their, their Super Bowl window open, though. Yes, it does. I like this that, That's the big thing. It keeps that together. It keeps Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. That's as good of a, a quarterback and wide receiver duo as there is in the NFL. And I mean, we just saw Kansas City. I know they won uh, championships with that. They won a championship without Tyreek Hill back-to-back. But if you've got two of the best receivers in the league on your team, that only increases your chance of winning. And the Bengals keeping their window open. This is a team, everybody talks about who's the most fascinating team or who's the team that can stop uh, Kansas City from three-peating. Everybody, their first choice is usually the Ravens. Deservedly so, because the Ravens got and hosted the AFC Championship game this year. They're certainly up there. The Bills get a big part of that conversation. But we don't talk about the team that's actually done it, the Bengals. They beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game a couple years ago. And last year, they got to the AFC Championship game, and they almost beat them in Arrowhead again. And who knows what would have happened this year if, if Joe it, Burrow just stayed healthy. If it wasn't for the unnecessary roughness towards the end that yeah, and ultimately Osai, gave yeah. the uh, Chiefs into field goal range, yeah, no. They beat them in overtime the year before. The Bengals were two minutes away from winning the Super Bowl. I think Joe Burrow, right now, if I had to pick AFC quarterbacks, and you're telling me I can't have Mahomes, I'll probably pick Joe Burrow over anybody. Yeah. I'd take Burrow over Lamar. Lamar's great. I'm still taking Joe Burrow because oh, yeah. everybody's talking about who can be the team that beats Kansas City. How about the team that did it? The Bengals. They they owned them in the regular season multiple years. They won three in a row, I think, at one time against Kansas City before that AFC Championship game last year. So you, you, you franchise T. Higgins. We'll see what they do on the defensive side of the ball. Joe Burrow stays healthy. The Bengals are the most interesting team in the AFC outside of Kansas City going into next season, as far as I'm concerned. And you mentioned the unnecessary roughness penalty, and I've been meaning to talk about this now for a couple weeks. You know who we have not talked about as far as the Super Bowl is concerned? Who? Harrison Butker, the kicker for the for Kansas City. Everybody, Adam Vinatieri is the most clutch kicker in NFL history. He's, People don't realize Harrison Butker's right up there. He's automatic, yeah. He has sent four different playoff games to overtime. The 2018 AFC Championship game, the 2021 AFC Championship game, which they lost, the Buffalo game, the 13 seconds game. Remember, everybody remembers Patrick Mahomes getting them into range. They don't remember Harrison Bucker had to make a 49-yard field goal to go to overtime, and they just sent this last Super Bowl to overtime with a last-second field goal. And then he won the AFC Championship game last year on a 45-yard field goal, and he won the Super Bowl on a chippy. I know it was a short kick, but the list of kickers that have won Super Bowls with a last-second field goal, it's Jim O'Brien, Adam Vinatieri, and Harrison Bucker. So he deserves th- – this is Hall of Fame-level stuff. Yeah. We talk – Adam Vinatieri is going to be the next kicker in the Hall of Fame. There's only two of them in there right now, Jan Stenrud and Morton Anderson. What about uh, – you think Sebastian Janikowski can get in there? He could. I don't know if he will because the Raiders didn't play in a ton of high-profile games. That's true. Vinatieri – or not Vin- Janikowski was a fun kicker to watch. He's – you know, most kickers are usually sh- uh, short and lean guys. Sebastian Vinica- Janikowski looked like he could play linebacker. He could go out and just knock somebody out. 
Adam Vinatieri is going to be the next kicker in the Hall of Fame, but Harrison Bucker is not getting the attention he deserves for how clutch he's been for the Chiefs. And there, he now, and I didn't even mention he now has the Super Bowl record for the longest field goal. Jake oh, Mooney yeah. set the record for about an hour when he hit a fifty-five yarder, and then Harrison Bucker hit a fifty-seven yarder was on that, a bad snap. Was that not a little like weird to hear? Like, oh yeah, fifty-two yards is the longest kick in Super Bowl. I think history. it was fifty-four. Was, like, was it fifty-four? Yeah. yeah, but I was like, really? Out of all the Super Bowls. Well, 54 was a long... And then, of course... Well, kicking back then was a lot more random than it is now. Like yeah, Anything that's inside of 50 yards, you're surprised when the kicker misses. That's how good these guys are. <laughs> yeah. We don't appreciate it because they're kickers and you know they're kind of goofballs and everybody considers them separate from the team. But kicking's never been better than it is right now. Uh, Texer isn't mixing a free agent. Yeah, he's a free agent. It sounds like they're probably going to let him walk. But personally... kind of have I, to do that now. If I like, had to choose between... Keeping T. Higgins or keeping Joe Mixon, I'll keep T. Higgins. I think it's easier to find running backs than it is to find big-time wide receivers. The Bengals have two big-time receivers. There are not a lot of teams that can say that. You can find, you know, Isaiah Pacheco was a seventh-round draft pick, and he's won two Super Bowls now as the lead rusher for Kansas City the last two years. So I, I think it's much easier to find a capable running back than a big-time wide receiver. And if you've got two big-time receivers, you hold on to them as long as you can. But there you go. I don't know how many other shows have given Harrison Bucker love. Maybe in Kansas City they have. But I'm going to do it right. I did it right there. How about that? Uh, Russell Wilson, he seeks two championships with the Broncos or wherever he's settled. Russell Wilson's 35 years old, and... Last year, his play was actually better than people say, remember. I didn't get why they benched him. Because Well, they, they benched they, him because they didn't want to pay his bonus. Yeah. That's the reason they benched him. <laughs> it wasn't because he wasn't playing well. And it, it, it came at an odd time, too, because they, uh, they just lost to New England, I think it was, and they were 7-7. Seven and seven. They still had an outside shot to make the playoffs, then, and they chose to bench him there. You usually wait till you're done and you're out of the mix to bench your quarterback. But apparently they were going to do that a month or so ago because remember Denver started the year two and five, and then they got on a run and actually had a chance to make the playoffs, and they lost back to back against the Lions and the Patriots, and that basically did them in. But Russell Wilson last year, his regular season stats are pretty comparable to Patrick Mahomes, who you know, is only the best quarterback in the league and one of the best of all time. I think he did better than Mahomes, if I'm not mistaken. I know. For a touchdown-interception ratio, he did. I don't know about the amount of touchdowns. Yeah, I think Patrick actually had two more touchdowns, but it was close. Yeah. Russell Wilson was not playing poorly. He didn't get benched because he played poorly. Now, do I think Russell Wilson is an elite quarterback anymore? I don't know if I think that. Yeah, but we said that about Joe Flacco, and he's always elite. Joe Flacco (laughs) is always an elite quarterback. Everybody knows that. We never questioned Joe Flacco being elite. But we do question Russell Wilson. I He's a good quarterback. You know where I, I think would be an interesting situation for him? The Steelers. They need a quarterback. Kenny Pickett's not the guy. Mitch Trubisky just got cut. If you put Russell Wilson with that Steelers defense, with T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith and Joey Porter Jr. and all the guys they've got. It, Hayward. Hayward. He's been around forever. Yeah. Kind of but if you give Russell Wilson that defense... Why can't the Steelers make a run? Mike Tomlin takes scraps to the playoffs every year. Russell Wilson's not a scrap. Now, I don't know if he was ever as good as people thought he was, especially in 2019, 2020. 
And I think what happened when he went to Denver his first year and Geno Smith came in and won comeback player of the year wasn't necessarily the best look. No, but but if you give was, Russell Wilson elite defense, we've seen that he can win a Super Bowl with it because he did it in Seattle. I was gonna say also you give the fact that they gave him Nathaniel Hackett to be his head coach. Yeah, so nobody was gonna be successful look. with Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach. <laughs> uh, I mean, look at what he look at what he did with the Jets. He killed that offense. I mean, part of that's because Aaron Rodgers got hurt, but. It's amazing. That That's another situation that people didn't really talk much about. I'm surprised Robert Sala, the GM, everybody was retained because Aaron Rodgers got hurt. How can you judge him? Well, you know how you can judge him. They didn't have a capable backup quarterback. There are so many teams in this league that have lost quarterbacks, especially last year. We just talked about the Bengals losing Joe Burrow for much of the season. Jake Browning kept that team in the playoff hunt longer than they ever should have been, and they still had a winning record. They went 9-8. and eight. And Jake Browning played really good for about five or six weeks. I'd say That's he, all we need. the I Jets think, needed. I think he's a top 32 QB in the world. Oh, yeah. He played like it, especially. And you can be like, oh, he had T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Okay, but at the end of the day, he was doing perfectly fine. Yeah. I mean, Jake Browning's probably going to be a starting quarterback somewhere. But yeah. why couldn't the Jets? How did they go into last season knowing that Aaron Rodgers is 37 38 years old and they decided you know what we're just we just got to hope that he yeah you play on the MetLife turf where everybody's <laughs> knees go to you know where uh. and your best option was we're going to roll with Zach Wilson and nobody lost their job or lost anything as a result of that i didn't understand that robert Sala, i think is a decent coach i think the gm had to go but some Somebody had to pay for the fact that you're relying on Aaron Rodgers being healthy and you have no plan B. I mean, look at the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the world. They still won a playoff game with Chad Henney a couple years ago. And he had to go in for a drive against the Jaguars and he led a 99-yard touchdown drive and helped them win that game. You can't go into a season without a dependable backup quarterback. And if they're... they're going to tell you that they think Zach Wilson was a dependable backup quarterback. You decided before that season that Zach Wilson couldn't be your starter. There's a reason you went and got Aaron Rodgers because Zach Wilson's not good. Why was Tim Boyle one of their options though? Why is Tim Boyle in the NFL? I don't know because I remember like oh Tim Boyle and I thought it was um he was the old Purdue. I thought it was David Blouse. David like, oh, Blouse. He, yeah. he had a few starts here and there. I was like eh, yeah, what can go wrong for that? Yeah, them? he was like, a backup quarterback for the Lions. And then I looked up. The guy never had – it was kind of like Joe Namath where he had more interceptions than touchdowns in college, and then it obviously led to the NFL where he had more interceptions than touchdowns. Like, But it's a little different because back then everybody threw a bunch of interceptions. Yeah. They don't do that now. You have – I think he had seven touchdowns and 13 interceptions or something like that in college, and it wasn't for a good team. It was at UConn in eastern Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like they're playing against Bama every – like those kind of teams. It's, they're playing – Teams that are fairly this similar skill set. And, wow, he must have a great agent or something. Oh, yeah, he does. Oh, my God. Oh, did you see uh, Tommy DeVito's agent was at the St. John's game yesterday? Oh, yeah. You know who else was at the St. John's game yesterday? One of the Sopranos guys, right? Yeah, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he, he's the there Pope doing a deal. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> oh, my God, it's the Pope. <laughs> by the, and let's just go ahead and get into it. By the way, Rick Pitino 
bashed his team last week. Basically said they were the worst team that he's ever coached, that these guys are unathletic, they care and all that kind of stuff, but they can't play. Well, guess what happened? They turned around and won their next two games. They just beat Creighton, who dominated UConn on Tuesday, and St. John's took Creighton to the woodshed. They dominated that game. But they went by 16, right? Yeah. Yeah, insane. Rick, that, that shows you Rick Pitino knows what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that the fan base here has been missing for a very long time. Rick Pitino used to beat top 10 teams, top 15 teams, and he would be upset because they got out-rebounded or they didn't get a couple of loose balls. Like, Rick Pitino's standard was incredibly high when they beat good teams, and his standard would be even higher when they're not very good. And St. John's is going to be very good quickly. And they're back in the NCAA tournament conversation because they've won a couple big games recently. So, who knows? Maybe actually going to the media and criticizing your players, pushing those buttons, actually works. And that kind of passion, that kind of fire, that kind of energy has not happened here in a very long time. It's a stark contrast. There's a reason Rick Pitino won a national championship. The NCAA be damned. That national title did happen. And there's a reason why the current coach is... Where he is. V-Show rolling along, ESPN 680-1057. We got a little bit more to get into. Uh, I want to. We'll get into the fact that uh, Ohio State won again yesterday, and maybe interim coaches actually work. That's something that we could talk about. Shane Gillis hosted SNL. Tanner and I have got thoughts. ESPN 680-1057.